Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm sitting in the bowels of the Vogue Theater with a guy named Dan Mangan. Dan, I'd love you to say hi. Hi. How has your day been? Uh, it's been quite good, thank you. Nice to be back in Vancouver. It's your hometown. It is, yeah. We've just spent three, just over three weeks on the road from Halifax, and I got to have breakfast with my family this morning. It was good. Nice. We just journeyed through the backstage area of the Vogue, and in a lot of dressing rooms, there are tiny Easter eggs. What's going on there, Dan Mangan? <laughs> Our uh, tour manager's parents own a bulk food store in Ottawa. And so as we stopped through Ottawa, they gave us this like enormous box full of chocolate and like uh, granola bars and cashews and stuff. And so we the, the bus has been stocked ever since with uh, with tiny little like I'm not even kidding, probably like 3000 Easter eggs. Which treat have you been tempted to eat the most? I would probably say Easter egg. Yeah. I'm kind of geeking out right now because you're Vancouver's golden boy. So give me a tip to try to get through this geeking outness. Um, you know, stay the course and uh, keep keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> Someone's trying to enter the room. Shall we let him? Sure. Yeah. I think it's actually his room. <laughs> we'll give him full, complete all access. There we go. He's gone. He just left, but I would love you to tell me about a time that you geeked out and how you got through it. Oh, man. Well, there was, I, one time I had coffee at Colin Greenwood's house in Oxford, and it was me. For people who don't know, you need to explain who that is. So Colin Greenwood is the bass player from a, a, a fledgling upstart band called Radiohead, and I was, I was kind of freaking out, too. Uh, I'm not equating your experience now with that because that was, you know, um, he's a much more interesting person than I am. But, um, but I did. Uh, I don't know. You know, I was. Uh, that was that was a really meaningful uh, morning. I've never connected with him since. I probably never will. But uh, that meant uh, the whole world to me at the time. That you know, I'd met this guy who was basically, you know, my hero, and he was a total sweetheart and real human kind of person. Did you ask him an embarrassing question like I'm going to ask you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, he did. Actually, this is pretty incredible. He played for me. This is before In Rainbows came out. And he uh, he was like, oh, we have a meeting later today and we're supposed to talk about these rough mixes. Um, but I haven't listened to them yet. Would you mind if I like listen to these songs? So he played videotape and Reckoner and a couple songs off of uh, In Rainbows that had never been heard in the whole world other than in the very small Radiohead community. So I felt very pr privileged at the time to, to hear those tunes. Thanks for that story. I'm going to try to get control of myself, but while I do, let's listen to a track. Let's listen to Vessel off Club Eds. How about you tell me a little bit about this track as the music comes up? Sure. Well, the uh, song Vessels. So the idea is like you're in the valley, you're like in the gauntlet, and there are people on either side of you on the hills shooting at you, and you're trying to avoid it and run through this gauntlet of life. All right. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's a very uplifting song. We're going to listen to that track. We'll be back in a second. I'm a vessel. 
Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Vessel off a record called Club Meds by a guy named Dan Mangan. He's done this record with a band called Blacksmith. I am sort of geeking out. I'm kind of recovering, but I've got one more thing to ask you. I heard once you had the opportunity to smoke up with Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg, but you did not. I it was I it was kind of a fly on the wall scenario. I uh, I wasn't explicitly offered. They were smoking out of a vaporizer at the time. I was on Willie's tour bus with Snoop Dogg, and um, and I they were having a beautiful conversation, and I was kind of just hanging out. If they had offered, I honestly don't know if I would have because I'm such a lightweight with uh, with pot that I probably would have ended up crying about ten minutes later or something like that. So I I'm kind of glad that it wasn't offered because it, it would have been uh, I. I Considering how weak I am to it and how chronic those two are, I can't even imagine how intense their weed is. But here's what I'm thinking, Dan. I can understand why you wouldn't want to cry on front of Snoop Dogg, but everyone's a lightweight compared to those two. Exactly. Yeah. No, I know. I, I don't think I'm alone in that, in that uh, scenario. All right. The record is called Club Meds. One of the big changes in this record is that you've added your band's name to the marquee. I would love you to talk a little bit about that because you've been with them for six years. Yeah, some of the guys even seven years, some of them five. Um, I, it was kind of, we had taken a bunch of time off after O Fortune. And so when we kind of recalibrated and got together and started making new music, um, we had talked about adding a band name for a long time, but we just never thought of the right name. And, um, and Kenton thought up Blacksmith. I really like it. I think it kind of has like a, you know, the romantic notion between um, craftsmanship and art artistry. And, um, and I, it kind of is indicative of the guys in the band. You know, they, they could, they, their sort of uh, approach to music is very much of that sort of dedication, lifelong dedication to, to a, a craft, you know, a trade. Um, and so I, I really respect that. And uh, it seemed like the time. I mean, we feel like a band. When we play, I think it sounds and it feels like a band. It's not just, doesn't feel like me and a bunch of support guys. So over your career, you've transitioned from solo artist to band leader. What's one essential skill you need to have as a band leader that you might not have as a solo artist? Uh, rumble, rumble, that sound check above us. Yeah. 
Um, man, delegation maybe. I mean, the nice thing about when you're on your own is you can sleep on anyone's couch. You can kind of change plans. You can, you know, you have a day off. You can catch a train to a different city or whatever if you're in Europe. Um, whereas if you are with a band, it's like everything is much more on a grid. You know, you're much more on a schedule. And um, there's, you know, you have to make sure everybody's feeling uh, honored or, or sort of, uh, wow, that really is a rumble. I don't know. I hope your microphone's catching that. That's pretty impressive. I hope my microphone is not catching that, but it is. Yeah. It sounds like what you're trying to do is get everybody more invested in the situation. So I'd love you to talk about a moment when writing this record where everybody rose to the occasion and the music was better for it. Well, there's a, there's a lot more collaboration in the kind of song crafting on this record than the previous ones. The guys, <clears throat> you know, they not only did they have the license to speak their minds, but sort of the responsibility, you know. Um, I, I, I think you said it correctly. I think it was sort of the, there's a shared responsibility now, and so it's their asses on the line as well as mine. And uh, what that... I mean, in, in when we were in the studio, there was a lot of scenarios where we would fight or argue about a song, try and get it to a place where we all felt good with it. But um, that was sort of the the result, is that we wouldn't close the door on a song until we all felt like we were good with it. And, uh, and that, that, man, sometimes that was harder than others. But, you know, Kitsch is a, ba is a song that Johnny wrote the bass line to entirely separately, and then I wrote a melody, and then Kenton wrote this great polyrhythm, and Gorg wrote this kind of three uh, little like a song, African sounding kind of line and so everything kind of came together from different angles which have never happened before and every other record that I'd made it was sort of like I had a song that was written start to finish all the pieces were there and then people just kind of had to figure out how they came into it but uh, so it, it was nice to, to change and develop the way that we were putting these songs together. So Kenton has gone on record saying that you guys got a little bit aggressive with each other when writing the record, so I'd love a concrete example of that. Well, when we were making Pretty Good Joke, which is the second last song on the record, we, we spent about eight hours trying to record it one way that was you know without a click, without a grid. and. Um, the nature of the song is that it is kind of a, a clicking sort of, you know, boxy, robotic sounding kind of pulse. And um, so after spending eight hours and arguing relentlessly about this song, we came back the next morning and we recorded it to a click and it all fell into place. But the thing is about that song is that it was it's like it wasn't recorded traditionally like a song where you just catch a take. It was recorded in bits and pieces. And then after the fact, we'd place the drums here or the bass line there and kind of put it all together like a little puzzle. I think that it's time to play another track off your record, Club Meds. Sure. It's a good idea. I'm going to play Mouthpiece. I'd love you to tell me a bit about that one as I bring up the music. Sure. Well, Mouthpiece is um, it's like a whole bunch of opinions shot together, some thoughts about you know, the pack mentality and the little moral concessions that we each make to not rock the boat too much. And... Um, you know, the, uh, the ability of a government to uh, answer questions and be held accountable to, to their uh, constituents and um, ideas about the media and about, uh, you know, how sometimes news is actually just theater dressed up as news. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of ideas about society. And it's also about me. Like, I, I'm not just pointing the finger at other people. I see these hypocrisies and paradoxes in myself, too. And, 
you know, that's frustrating, and I think that that's part of why writing these songs feels good. Sort of, it's cathartic to put it out loud and not just like deal with it internally. A disengagement of the bubbles hypnotizing. Say below, though he crossed the beast is rising. We like to talk about the past. We like to talk about the past. We talk about the past like it's a Sometimes we almost dance with fuckery But everybody's missing in the well of our suffering I wanna breathe in all the ashes Books say tried to burn Wanna feel the pages in my skin And understand the words This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Mouthpiece off the new record from Dan Mangan. That record is called Club Meds. I've got Dan here in the bowels of the Vogue. There's bands doing soundcheck behind us. Dan, I'd love you to tell me a little bit more about this track. About Mouthpiece? Uh, well, it's uh, it's kind of like one of the more rocking, kind of straight-ahead quartet songs on the record. Um, but lyrically, it's probably the least poppy song that I've written and that is very wordy and you know uh, I think every single phrase in this song I could write an essay about you know, and, and it took about a year to write it was a really lengthy process just trying to get it to a place where I felt good about it so I'd be, lit- I'd be in the shower like humming it and trying to figure out exactly how the line should sound because it was one consonant that didn't fit right into it or something like that so it was, a, it was a labor of love, this song. It was a very slow burn. I've read that you're always writing a song in your head. Do you even write songs when you're getting asked routine questions in interviews? Um, I, I do have a rule to always be writing. Um, and that's more just about the idea that even if you're not, you know, head deep in the creative process or whatever, but like you're always open to the idea. You know, you're, you're, you see a sign on the street and it, inspires a weird phrase in your head and you write that down and you save it for later that kind of stuff so I like to always kind of have a couple songs on the go when you guys finished touring for the record Oh Fortune your last record you've said that you guys were burnt out you took time off for other projects babies film score work when you guys reconvened I'd love to hear the story for example, was it like a movie sequel where you guys get back together, then Kenton, your drummer, says something crazy, and you're like, yeah, we're back. It was, uh, it was exactly like the movie Blues Brothers, where each, uh, each member of the band had to be plucked from their new life uh, reluctantly into a scenario where they would uh, play country bars and, and make no money. <laughs> All right, that was good. Thanks. <laughs> also, K 
Carrie Fisher was trying to kill us the whole time. <laughs> Timely. All right. I think that it's about time we play another song. I wanted to play an older song. Guess which song I picked. Oh, which one? Robots. Oh, I know that song. So I'd love you to say maybe a sentence about robots while I bring up the music. Sure. Well, robots is, uh, it's kind of like about the idea that the people that you know uh, that need the most love, that need the most sort of compassion and, uh, and operate from a kind of sniveling defensive position at all times are not necessarily going to get the love because they don't know how to ask for it. And uh, I think that it's just sort of, yeah, saying like even the, the biggest bastards, you know, they all, they, they're, they're aching for it. They're aching to be loved and heard and understood, even more so than the nice people that you know. I don't know what you've been told But I don't get out much these days Waking young and feeling old The days are no longer my own Away the waking hours, but don't, 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 don't let them go. Don't, 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 don't let them go to waste the fire in my eyes. They want to be loved by you. 
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard robots off the record. Nice, nice, very nice. Some might say that's Dan Mangan's signature tune. I'm sitting here with Dan Mangan in the Vogue Theater as bands are practicing in the background. While the song was playing, Dan told me about a sequel he was planning to write for this track. It's called Cyborg Dad. Could you tell me more? Well, what happens is Cyborg Dad wakes up one morning and he starts to brew a cup of coffee, but the coffee actually contains a certain kind of metallic liquid that morphs into a dog. And the dog, which is, you know, named Coffee, of course, um, eats the kid's homework. And then the kid goes to school and uses this new coffee liquid metallic technology to you know, infiltrate the school and create a whole army of um, coffee dog uh, students that take over the school and kind of, you know, start a new world order. Dan Mangan can think on his feet. The reason why I wanted to play an older track is because this record, Club Meds, everyone's going, he's moving away from his singer-songwriter roots. In a lot of interviews, you have to sort of defend that direction. Instead of that, I would love to get you to geek out and tell me about a favorite artist of yours whose career and musical output have taken a strange, unexpected direction and why you loved them. I think all my favorite bands have done that. I mean, Tom Waits or Neil Young or Radiohead or, uh, you know, Paul Simon or... uh... So let's pick one, be a little bit specific, because not everyone's going to know who you're talking about. Well, I just think it's, you know, like, I think if you're going to have a body of work that spans over a couple decades or, you know, like, I, I would love to have eras in my work where people be like, oh, I liked him in the 2000s or I liked him in the tw- 2020s or something like that. that's my favorite era of his work. So I think that it's just important to try different things. I mean, if you just do the same thing over and over again, not only are you going to get bored, but it's like you're, you're just tapping at the same well. I mean, I, I feel like there's... There's different parts of me. There's different interests in me, and I, you know, there's lots of things that I want to try. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's it's a really strange thing for people to actively wish that somebody else would stop growing and changing. That's a really weird thing. And the, the fact is that like, I love a lot of my older material, and and I love playing it. And you know, I have a lot of uh, roots kind of in that folky kind of world. And that, that'll never go away, you know, that's, uh, those songs, those recordings are always going to be there. So, you know, I, I'm interested in trying different things. And to be honest, I mean, I don't think this new music is that different. It's got some different sounds and stuff like that, but it's still verses and choruses and it's still my thoughts. And, you know, I feel like my vocals are getting more interesting as I age. I'm kind of trying different things. I don't know. So it's the zeitgeist too, you know, it's like times change, things, things change. And I think often when people love an artist's work from a specific time, it has to do with them finding that music at a certain point in their life. So it actually has very little to do with the artist, it has a lot to do with their own nostalgia surrounding their idea of that artist at that time. Dan Mangan, thank you very much for spending some time with me here alone in the bowels of the Vogue Theatre. If I had some Easter eggs, I would give them to you as a reward. Instead, the last song is your choice. What should I play? Oh, I think you should play Kitsch from the new record. And why should I play this song, Kitsch? Because it's like five minutes long and it probably won't get much play on the radio, but I think it's one of the stronger songs that we, that's on the record. What's one aspect of it you would think I would enjoy? 
I think that the counterpoint between Johnny's like arpeggiating bass line and Kenton's polyrhythm creates this fairly hypnotic uh, dynamic thing that kind of can, if, you, if you're listening really carefully, it can kind of put you in a trance. Prepare to get hypnotized. Dan Megan, thank you very much for being on my show. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Ladies and
Hello there, this is Dan Mangan. Currently, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you are listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. 